This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinone, joined by Josh Newberg, Chris Nee. Fellas, hello. Happy start of the week. How's it going? Going great. What's Thanks up, for asking, great. Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. I feel like you guys try to talk at the same time just to to highlight my in, uh, inability to host correctly. Is that accurate? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back into game week. FSU had a bye week. We had some fun on the podcast. We had the Q&A mailbag, which was always entertaining. Then we had the, the clip show, the blooper reel show as well, which was fun to put together as well. So back to business this week. And as I say that, guys, I don't have a script ready for this podcast, which is giving me loads, loads of anxiety. It sounds like somebody took the bye week to focus on the little things and then prepare for the big thing. Do you want to know what happened to me during the bye week? No, no one cares. No, no. Correct. Georgia cabin, hurricane, power, cold, vacation cut short. Almost felt like a haiku was going on there for a second. It was basically just camping by the end of it. Let's start off here as FSU gets ready to to face Pittsburgh on Saturday, 4 p.m. Weird FSU opened, uh, I get depending on on the sports book you use, but but we'll use William Hill because that's our our advertiser for for 24-7 sports. They start the week as a pick'em game. FSU now up to a two-point favorite. Chris, real quick, uh, I don't want to get too much into the pit because we'll do the pit preview later this week, but there's been some interesting developments with Pitt's roster the last few days. Do you want to uh, fill in our, our listeners of that before we get into some of the FSU details? Well, there's two reasons that line might move from a pit perspective. One, quarterback Kenny Pickett, they've been without him the last two games. Their backup is Joey Yellen. He's not near as good as Pickett, and their offense is not near as good as it is when they have Pickett with Yellen in the lineup. So that's a big factor on the offensive side of the ball. The more recent development, and probably the more significant of those two, truthfully, is Paris Ford, talented junior safety, redshirt junior, strong safety, leading tackler on the team, tied for the national lead with three interceptions. He decided to opt out. That became public today. It was confirmed by Narduzzi around noon during his weekly press conference. So that's a huge loss on the back half of Pitt's defense. Pitt is really, as they go, it's as their defense goes, excellent up front defensively. But Ford was the biggest factor in that back half. And truthfully, the back half has been what's been probably their biggest defensive issue over these last four games. They've lost four in a row after starting 3-0. So what we're going to do for the first half of this episode, the back half, we will have a special interview with Cole Kublik of ESPN and SEC Network, and he's going to talk about the offensive line. I got him last week for a story I was doing on offensive line coach Alex Atkins, but we'll get Cole later on in this episode. For now, guys, I just want to throw some questions at you. We're just going to kind of freelance here, talk about the team as they enter the second half of the season. Josh, I'm going to start with you. Is the offense currently with Jordan Travis, we've seen this a lot on the message board, is it sustainable? And not 
Jordan Travis's play necessarily, but uh, the growth that the offense has had. Do you think we've seen it maxed out, or do you think it continue to to progress in a place where FSU can win games with Jordan Travis at QB? Yeah, I think the more interesting question there, you kind of hit it at the end, is maybe has this offense peaked? Because is it sustainable? Yeah, it's sustainable if they don't run Jordan Travis as much, but is it going to be as effective? So meaning had the success that we saw against UNC, was that maybe the peak of this offense? Because is it sustainable to continue to play Jordan Travis the way that they did early on in the season? So I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Brendan. Do you think the offense has peaked? Because I, I do think it's sustainable if you protect Jordan Travis. I think a ceiling has been set on it. We know, I think, how good the offense can be. Uh, and we saw Louisville kind of exploit some of FSU's deficiencies, and, and more specifically, Jordan Travis's deficiencies. They put mm-hmm. two defenders on him for a good chunk of the game. Now, Jordan Travis was injured. FSU offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham admitted that last week. FSU reduce some of its option concepts, which is a huge factor. Jordan Travis leads all power five quarterbacks in, uh, in I think it's rushing uh, yard or yards per attempt. He said uh, that today, didn't he? Didn't doing him say that today? He may have said it again today as well. I had Kenny on mute while I was trying to write it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he hit on it again today that okay. they limited him some. So, so there is a blueprint on how to stop Jordan Travis. Uh, and we've said all along that there are – limitations to what Jordan can do as a passer. He's actually exceeded some of the expectations with the deep threat ability, but without Jordan Travis's ability to consistently hit on the intermediate throws, uh, it it puts a cap on what you can do. With that being said, and to answer your question directly, Josh, I think that it can be a sustainable, successful offense to at least get you through the season. I know a lot of people are- But it has it peaked. Yeah, I think it's hit its top of what it can do. Uh, the key is, I, can you can it avoid the bottom of what we saw against Louisville? And I think that's that's possible with Jordan. I have a little bit of a different view, and it's sort of to just be a contrarian, to be completely honest. I don't obsess over the quarterback spot as much because I don't think the difference between, you know, whether it's Travis going forward or you move on to Purdy, I think everything comes with its shortcomings. Um, I think Travis's are a bit more defined. Purdy's are a bit more to be found out. My thing is more the offense is going to go. If the O-line can prove that they have come along to some degree, and Pitt's going to certainly test that, I think that's a big question mark heading into the back half of the season. I think the other thing is if the offense is going to take any kind of step forward from where they are right now, it's all dependent upon the wide receivers. That group entirely has to start winning balls, start winning one-on-ones, and show some form of consistency of having any level of high-end success. Obviously, getting back Terry would be enormous for that group. He's the most talented individual in that group. But, you know, you need somebody else along the lines to step up, whether it's Helton being better, Thompson starting to show any form of flashes, uh, Jordan Young showing he's prepared to maybe do something finally. Somebody in that group, if they were to step up, I think can change the dynamic of the offense to some degree if Terry also returns. So I think I think that's kind of when I view the second half offense, I'm not expecting something drastically different nor better. But if it was to come about, I think it's more about maybe those two positional units, the O-line being legitimately much better and not solely being hidden to some degree by the quarterback and the wide receiver group taking a step forward. That could be a massive difference maker. And to provide a couple updates from Mike Norvell's media availability today, Jordan Travis sounds like he's done well in recovering from whether it was, we never got a specific, but believe it was a left shoulder injury. He seems like he's full go. He's expected to be 100% or as much as, yeah, that guy can be 100% in the middle of the season for Pittsburgh and Tamori and Terry. 
uh, sounded optimistic that he would be back uh, for Pittsburgh. Although Mike Norvell called it a, a game time decision, I believe it was. They did. They did throw Terry on the depth chart. Not that that means a whole lot because Hampson Azarine's lived on there all year, but the fact that he had been removed and then mm-hmm. returned, I think, is worth taking note of. I think as long as there isn't a setback this week, we will see Tamori and Terry. I think it's a better than 50% chance. I would say probable if I had to use an NFL definition for injury report. So, so with the offense and, and as we think about whether it's, you know, quote unquote, peaked with Jordan Travis, I think the element that fans want to know is how does Chubba Purdy get integrated into the offense? Because I think it's safe to say that the upside of the offense is probably at its highest with a quarterback like Chubba Purdy, someone who can run and throw. Uh, but to the extent of how consistently Chubba Purdy can be effective in either of those categories, we don't know. So, guys, I think that we see Jordan Travis continue to be the primary quarterback for at least the next few weeks as long as he remains healthy. Uh, am I wrong for, for assuming that? I know the fans want Chubba Purdy, but I think we see Jordan Travis in two pivotal games for FSU to have a decent season. Pitt and NC State, I think you got to go with the guy you know you can roll out there and have a chance with. Well, I think it's certainly difficult to make the change with Pitt because one of the biggest differences going from a quarterback with some experience taking the bullets versus one who has very limited experience, you know, essentially 10 snaps, is the speed of the game. And Pitt's a kind of team where if you're a step slow or a moment slow up front, they're going to win a lot because they're going to bring a lot of pressure. And Narduzzi's not going to shy away from bringing extra pressure with an inexperienced quarterback. So I don't know if that's the instance where you maybe get him the experience you would like to. NC State's a maybe, but then you roll right into Clemson. So I don't know that it's also the right time. So it's kind of a difficult situation. I don't know if maybe you approach it with some kind of two-quarterback system where you go into a game with the plan of every third series or at least the third series of the game. You go to a different set of players with some substitutions, including at the quarterback position. That's usually, I think, the kind of approach that this staff would prefer with most guys when they're trying to integrate them into things is kind of having it pre-planned before the first snap of the game. No, I think ideally you want to get Travis through the Clemson game and then yeah. make, and then hand it over to Chubba Purdy, UVA, and Duke, get him two full games of experience. I think um, that would be a good transition. And maybe find ways to integrate Chubba in periodically before. before the- I think they're going to do that moving forward. I think so too. I, I think it just depends on like the extent of it, how much. But I, I agree we'll see more and more Chubba Purdy as the season goes on. All right, Chris, you mentioned the offensive line and, and getting tested here in, against Pittsburgh and then Clemson in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a good litmus test the next few weeks to see just how much this offensive line has grown. I think we all agree that it has shown improvement, the extent of which I think we're going to find out. Is that being hidden by Jordan, Jordan Travis? If so, to what extent? But I want to ask you guys this. I wrote a story about Alex Atkins uh, over the weekend. Has anyone impressed you more? As far as an off, or as far as a assistant coach hire that Mike Norvell has made, more than Alex Atkins, in my mind, he's he's been the best hire and, and had the most impressive performance both on the recruiting trail and on field results to date. Please, someone try to change my mind on that. I'm not going to sit here and try to change your mind. He was handed a monumental task. I think he's done a very good job to date. Um, I think he's also a talented recruiter on the trail. The key for him is going to be continue to stock up his room specifically while also doing well in his recruiting area. But that O-line, I I think to some degree it's smoke and mirrors what we're seeing as far as the success rate they're having right now and the things they're doing well. But they're doing the best they can with what they have, which is what they have to do. As coaches, that's what you do. You try to find a way to have success. So I don't – I feel like I'm knocking them while also praising them. But, 
you know, I, I just don't want people to think that I think the O-line suddenly has turned a corner as a very special group. I don't think they're close to that. But I think that group has a lot more belief in them, themselves right now today than they did a year ago, and certainly than they did when this coaching staff came in. The changeover happened once again after a dreadful season. I think the, the O-line's in a great spot. Um, don't confuse me saying that they're improved with me saying that they're good. I don't think that they're good yet by any means, but they're certainly improved. Um, and I think if you take a step back and you think if Devontae Love Taylor returns and they can add uh, impact offensive tackle transfer to come in and play the other tackle position, you get now you get to move Darius Washington back inside. You feel good about your interior at this point. And I think at that point, you start to turn the corner. That's when you truly start to turn the corner. But we are seeing improvement right now. You know who's impressed the hell out of me every time I go back and watch a game is Murray Smith. The, some of the things they ask him to do at center. Have you seen that, Chris? Like some of the polling and, and the second-level climbing he's able to do? Like we haven't seen that since Brian Stork. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He gets after it well, and he, he's a kid that likes to be physical. So I think all those things will provide him success. And he's done a good job of handling – of role that comes with a lot of duties there at the center position doing a fairly good job of it so yeah it's kind of nice that they have some nice young pieces to build around on the first and the second team chris said duties uh cole kublik talked about marie smith specifically when talking about fsu's offensive line so again make sure you guys hang around for for that interview coming up on the on the back end of the podcast uh let's see oh, okay i got something that i wanted to talk about so norvell hinted at Today during the press conference, a couple position changes that were made during the bye week. Uh, one that he mentioned was Leonard Warner. We obviously saw that against Louisville at Fox, but it sounds like he's entrenched there as a reserve, as a Fox defensive end. Uh, we'll dig around this week to see if we can find some of the other changes. Uh, I have reason to believe that Jaden Lars would be getting some work at the stud position. Could be something that we see. Uh, we've heard that that's been something that they've weighed and, and vetted a little bit like a, back a, as early as the Miami game, second week of the season, uh, but never made the full-time change because of the depth at safety. Now we see this week that Brendan Gant is listed as a co-starter along with Woodby and Hanson Nazaruddin. Not sure there's a whole lot to read into to Naz uh, at the Buck safety role, but but we've seen Brendan Gant move up the depth chart a little bit. That may point to, to Lars Woodby getting some, some more run at that position. Uh, fellas, if you had to we're not guessing who's moved positions. I'm more asking if you had to have someone change a position that you think would help them in this help FSU out in the second half of the season. I, I guess what position change would you like to see, Josh? I'll I'll start. Oh, you're going to throw it to me first. No, you know I'll start to Chris because his body language looked like he wanted some of some of that. I am ready to see if Amari Gaynor at a Fox defensive end would work. I'm not convinced it would, but at this point, I feel like you're throwing it against wall and seeing what sticks. I think it's worthwhile. To- try and see if that can work. Because I think as stud, especially if you're moving someone like Woodby down, you have options. You have him, Deloach, uh, Kalen Brooks is a fallback guy there for you at that position too. So there are options at that position. Or if you're going I, more I, nickel corner too, right? You could also. Yeah, I, I think putting Gainer out there, trying to let him just go after the pass, or even if it means you have to line him up in a really wide split and leave a big hole there. I think you you dabble in it. You see if it can work. I think it's worthwhile. They've got to create a pass rush. You know, the one game this year where they had a successful pass rush, they had their best defensive effort, and not from a yardage standpoint, but from a creating some havoc standpoint, and that was a UNC game. So I just feel like you might need to dabble in that and see if it can work. What about him getting work as, like, an inside linebacker? I know that's not his comfort zone, but that, that could certainly 
be plausible based on the depth at, at middle linebacker right now. I think that allowing him to use speed around the edge is more advantageous than him possibly having to be physical down mm-hmm. through the middle. Okay, that makes unless, sense. Uh, unless you feel like you can open gaps somehow if you're going to change something up with what you're doing with your interior or two-man game, you know, with twists, stunts, and such, and create some holes for him to try to shoot, maybe you do that. But they haven't been particularly effective at that. They've been more mush-pushed than anything with a defensive line mush approach push, this year. Mush-push. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, what do you got for – for position changes you'd like well to i'm still hanging on the say. words of willie taggart and oh i still want to see travis jay at quarterback he promised us i i believe they had weighed that a little bit back also around the time of the miami game uh but it never got to see it in that game and then jordan got hurt that actual game and and uh or not jordan sorry not travis jay got hurt so yeah we never got to see we never got to see that happen i'm not sure we will now you just, want, you just want the infusion into the offense, Josh? What could have been? For the record, Josh, I want you to pre-write for when it does happen so you immediately can pop the story when it does I happen. I got it. I got right. you. Good, 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 good job. Nah, never mind. I'm not going to go down that road. I was going to go down a Willie road, but I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. Let's Let see. it go. Let <laughs> it go. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Yes or no, and then we can delve into it. Will the defense get markedly better in the second half of the season can it be average can it be average by the end of the year statistically i expect it to improve because i don't think Pitt, uva or duke is going to rack up the yardage as some of the front half opponents said clemson's obviously going to help to balance those three lesser offenses to some degree but i don't think it's going to be much better what was the yes or or no part of it no the answer is no Sorry, I like to give a little depth to my answer. I was going to allow you to earlier. Never mind. Not listening to directions. It's not. It's not your fault. I'm all over. I'm not listening today. to your directions. Yeah, clearly, clearly. I will say this. Uh, Josh said no as well. Uh, I'm going to go bullishly optimistic that they can get to like right now. They're below average in almost every single statistical category imaginable. Like we track 11 categories each week for the weekly stats updates and the national standings and. They're below average. They're below the 50th percentile in 10 out of the 11. Uh, so they have some work to do to be average. Uh, but looking at the ESPN QBR, so the quarterback ranking, which takes into account like the ability to throw and run, tries to do like a full percentage of the quarterbacks. Uh, FSU faced a quarterback that was above average in, let's see, Miami, Notre Dame, UNC, and Louisville, all 69.3 or better. Nice. Uh, and, and 60 is around the average range. So all above average uh, coming up here in the final five games of the season, the only quarterback that's above 60 Trevor Lawrence. So you're going against the easiest slate of quarterbacks, assuming uh, that Pickett doesn't play for Pitt. You're going against the easiest slate of quarterbacks that you're, that you've pretty much faced all season since uh, Jeff Sims. So if the defense shows a little bit of a pulse. I think that it, uh, there's a recipe there for the defense to actually get to to adequate play. We'll see. I'm not super confident on that answer, as you can tell, but I think there's a chance. It was a yes or no question. (laughs) Chris, did you listen to the blooper show? I did not. Josh liked it. I'm sure it was fantastic. My girlfriend liked it too. She thought it was funny. I drove home from my in-laws house yesterday afternoon, got back, 
you know, spent about 40 minutes in the house and then had to go to a baseball practice that ended up being like three and a half hours last night. Can't listen to a podcast in the car? Not with my wife and kids. God, no. It was edited. I don't care. I turn music on loudly so I don't hear them. I don't want them listening to me and then asking me questions about it. Come on. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Makes sense. You'll understand it one day, guys, when you have kids. I don't I don't know. I don't think Josh and I should be fathers, to be honest. I want Josh to babysit my youngest. I told get, you, you can send him down to St. Pete for summer camp if you want. And, I'll take him all summer. Get back to me 24 hours later how it's going. I think I'd be great. Those kids are going to be back in Tallahassee with long hair, tie-dye t-shirts, bandanas. Dad, can I go plant some flowers? <laughs> what? <laughs> all right, my last question here. FSU currently sits at two and four, got five games remaining. In the back half of the season, what would constitute in your mind as a successful back half of the season? Record-wise, uh, perception-wise, I guess, what would you consider success? Success to me would be three and two. Yeah, that'd, that'd be about as good as it could get, right? I think you could win. Four, there's four winnable games on there. I don't think they've shown that they can win four out of five games. That That doesn't necessarily exist, but... Yeah, I think three wins I think everyone's happy with. I think three wins is is a really good uh realistic would be would be like a, a, a perfect realistic finish for FSU fans. Do we have anything else? Oh, let's hey, let's give a shout out to Market Square Liquors. We don't want to forget about them. They're our Yay. sponsor. It's getting a little cold in Tallahassee. I think it's a a good time to go and load up on your your bourbon collection if you're into that sort of thing. Go ahead and get it so you can do some some drinking by the campfire. You know what I'm talking about, warm up a little bit. Market Square Liquors has the supplies to help you do that. So Market Square Liquors off of Timberlane Road in North Tallahassee, and also the lounge is open six days a week. Uh, check them out. They have an amazing selection of bourbon and other spirits as well. So check out Market Square Liquors. Let them know we sent you. And, uh, yeah, please do that. Anything else, fellas, before uh, we go to commercial break here? No, nothing that I want to talk about on the show. This has been, this has been a blast. This has been a great podcast. We really mailed this one in, didn't we? <laughs> the post by week slump. Uh, we'll bring we'll bring more energy, and I'll actually have a script for our Thursday podcast, though. I promise. I promise. So, uh, for Josh Newberg, Christine, I'm Brendan Sinone. We are going to take a quick commercial break. On the other side, this is the part you want to stay for and listen to is our Cole Kublik interview. He was really good on the offensive line and and talking about the growth of the offensive line and also kind of how they got to this point. He he takes an indirect shot at a at, at someone that I think you guys will be able to con- connect the dots with. So stick around. We'll be right back after the break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back to On the Bench. Joining me now, as promised, for a few minutes here is Cole Kublik, excellent analyst for ESPN and the SEC Network, one of the most knowledgeable media members out there when it comes to analyzing, evaluating trench play. He's an excellent follow on Twitter. It's at Cole Kublik. Cole, welcome to On the Bench. Thanks for joining me today, sir. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be with you. So I have a few questions on FSU's offensive line play. This is something that the fan base loves talking about is the offensive line, especially since it hasn't really been great the last few years. But I was going to say, why would they want to spend time on this the last few years? uh, uh, I would want to avoid it at all costs. uh, (laughs) Self-deprecating, that that type of deal, Um, self-loathing. But but we've seen some signs of growth, at least I have. But I want to get your thoughts from following off the line a little bit this season. Uh, Have you seen areas of improvement from, from that group? Absolutely. Uh, I think it starts with the younger guys, first and foremost. Um, Maurice Smith at center, is, is, there's a lot of things that he's doing. He's playing some good football. Now, I'm not going to say it's perfect or dominant. Um, I think Robert Scott at, at guard is doing some good things. He plays hard. Um, I think the first thing that you notice is it's kind of like when I watch Arkansas play this year is the O-line, D-line, it just the effort looks totally different. Mm. And I think that's applicable for the Florida State offensive line. I don't see near as many guys that don't look like they know which way to go. I don't see near as many guys that when they do have a bust, they just stand straight up. Uh, there might be someone turns somebody loose, but they go look for somebody else. And, and sometimes that's what it's all about is find somebody to hit, find somebody to get latched onto and go. The strain has been completely different. And, and when I say strain, what I mean is just guys attempting to stay with their block as long as possible. And especially in, in, in systems where sometimes you go fast or you know, you're going tempo, there are a lot of guys that they'll just get engaged and they'll kind of turn it loose and they'll just stand around and look. And the next thing you know, that guy's making the tackle. Um, I think that's something that's being coached. That's something that that you can't – there's a lot of things playing offensive line. Like, I, I couldn't go out and do things Quentin Nelson does. Like, I physically am not capable of that. Like, it's just – it's not going to happen. But there are certain things with, with offensive line play that you can learn. Finish, strain, effort, and wherewithal, understanding. And I think, too, something that I've noticed, uh, the angles. Like, blocking back on guys when they're pulling – they, you don't see a lot of guys pull and just look lost. Last two, three years, I could have put Florida State on, and you see guards that get out in space, and then they just kind of stand there. And you're like, dude, go knock somebody on their ass. Like, just I don't care if it's a kid on the sideline. Just find somebody. And you don't have a lot of that with this team. Now, that being said, I do think the system favors them. I think mm-hmm. they understand what they have. Uh, I think the implementation, uh, the change at quarterback has been big for them because – you're seeing some really creative play calling with quarterback counters, throwbacks, fakes, all of those things benefit an offensive line. If I can get you one false step one way and we're running the other way, or I can freeze you and just flatten your feet for one second, that's a big advantage for me. If I'm running a zone scheme trying to reach you or, or cut you off, or even if I'm pulling around, you know, trying to meet you in the hole for some sort of a counter play or gap scheme run. So I, I think the coaching staff's doing a really nice job of saying, hey, we're a younger group. We might not even be the most talented group. Let's give these guys some stuff that they can handle. Do they look great in one-on-one pass rush situations? No, not all the time. But again, you get that strain and you get that fight and you get a little bit more understanding of this is who I need to be working with. This is when I need to come off. Hey, if I'm going to get beat, let's get beat inside. 
Or, hey, if I'm going to get beat, let's run it. My guy past the quarterback, not just give up and get my quarterback hit. So very little minute details of improvement I have absolutely noticed with this Florida State offensive line. I assume we can attribute at least some of that, if not a, a large chunk of it, to Alex Atkins, the offensive line coach. And you know, he had an interesting background coming to FSU as the OC at Charlotte for a year, has experience under Willie Fritz, who's a really smart offensive mind at Tulane and Georgia Southern, I believe. Uh, so he's had an interesting journey. What, what do you know about uh, Alex Atkins, his reputation, and, and what would you say that he's done particularly well with this group in a very short amount of time, granted? Well, I, I, I think that... The first thing that I would say is, and and I know some guys that are associated with and around that Charlotte program, um, and and I can tell you this, they didn't want to lose him. Mm. And it was when when Will Healy is fighting for a guy and and really doesn't want to lose a guy, um, and, and you know that he's responsible for a lot of what they do offensively, I think that tells you, how important he is. And, and that was the case. Um, and I think too, when you just looked at, when you look at his background and where he's been, it really is a good fit for what coach Norvell wants to do. You look at what coach Silverfield's doing at Memphis right now. There's a lot of similarities. Um, obviously it's all the same tree, but I, I think that he's a guy that did a little bit more with less. Like, yeah, they had two guys drafted off that offensive line the last few years, and so they had some talent. But I think, too, when I put them on, like Charlotte was – I mean, you put their game on against Clemson a couple of years ago, and you kind of didn't believe that you were seeing. <laughs> and, like, it, it looked like a power five offensive line. So it's just a – it's a there, there are certain offensive line coaches that, that guys just want to play for, want to do well for, want to succeed for. And I think I've kind of seen that with him over the last few years. And so I think it was a great get. I think he's been, I hear about how he isn't recruiting. I, I don't follow, he's not recruiting me, so I don't know, but it sounds like he's, he's an asset in recruiting as well, but there's, there's zero doubt that what he has done and is doing with offensive lines has been pretty impressive. So um, I think you look at his background as, you know, tempo gap scheme, but staying physical, understanding angles, he, he's been that for a while, and you're starting to see it show up at Florida State. And I, I would just be happy to see what some of the young kids are doing. And to be able to take a couple freshmen and have them play play early and then be successful, that's that's not easy to do in today's college football. And last question for you, Cole, and then I'll let you run. Uh, FSU's offensive line, we kind of acknowledged it early on here, struggled the last few years mightily. I mean, maybe one of the worst in, in Power 5 by some some analytics. H- how do you – rationalize like how it fell off that quickly from where the line was in 13 and 14. To, and I know it's <laughs> a loaded want question. My opinion. You don't want my opinion on that because, and everybody who knows my background should know my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And I know who I think is responsible for it. And I know who was in house that made kids not want to play football. And I think it's as easy as that. And when you're stubborn with the kind of kids you recruit and you make them not want to play football, that's the end result. And that's what you get. And you know, look at a kid like Landon Dickerson. Right. I mean, he's going to be a second-round draft pick playing his rear end off at Alabama. I mean, it's there have been some guys there, but mm-hmm. you you got to want to play and you got to help people understand today's football. And I don't think – I think there was a lack of that in Tallahassee for a long time. 
All right, that makes sense. I think people can connect the dots there. So, Cole, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. We appreciate it here on the bench. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. Enjoy it. outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner why are they keeping you here starring emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful you are still a prisoner here everything in this new world comes at cost this is still my country a gentleman in moscow now streaming on paramount plus only with the paramount plus with showtime plan